Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. A new century, episode number 201 of the Course Grind podcast. With you as always this evening, host creator Sean Rossler. How the hell is everyone doing? Can somebody say new century? I mean, I just said it, so I guess we're good. But off we go to the races with a brand new century. Hundo of episodes, and I, for one, have been looking forward to it. Those close to the show who've stuck with me through this past year... Thank you. Obviously, it's been a rough one, but your messages, comments of support, and just overall energy kept me going when all I honestly wanted to do was hang it up. And I thank you for that. And by God, based on this recent reconnect I made, I'm glad I didn't. So in return, let me give you this return visit with one of the greatest OGs ever, ever to grace the Course Grind Podcast mics. You'll know what I mean. Trust me. Tonight's guest began cooking in high school while working at a local fish market. His passion led him to land an externship in Italy at 17 and ultimately to the Culinary Institute of America. After graduating CIA, he worked at several renowned kitchens in New York City, including Oriol, Kraft, and Casamono. While at Casamono, our guest was chosen for the second season of Top Chef, which he went on to win, damn right he did, with his winnings from the show and the support of his family and friends, he opened his first restaurant, The Gorbels, in downtown Los Angeles and soon expanded to Brooklyn, New York. Side note, for those culinary competition knowledgeable like me, an amazing masterpiece called Knife Fight was born from The Gorbels, and I personally would pay steeply to see it return. I'm just saying, side note indeed. <laughs> While in Brooklyn, he and colleague Rahul Kopkar imagined the concept for Ramen Hood. They opened it soon after and never looked back. From there, and most recently, you've likely seen him on Time Machine Chefs, and most recently, Guy's Tournament of Champions. <laughs> no big deal. Seafood, vegan ramen, so much more. The last time I had this guy on, he was driving his kid to school behind the curtain. We were totally talking about this before we even hit record. And truly proved to me that Top Chef alum are some of the realest ones out there. So 175 episodes later, I am truly looking forward to catching up a bit and retelling you some of his amazing stories. So let's get down to it, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between. Culinary legend, icon, and chef competition regular, who just also happens to be one of the oest of the OGs from Top Chef, having been crowned Top Chef Season 2, the Chef Elon Hall. Elon. Hey! It's been forever, fun. dude. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Oh, man. Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Again, you know, we were... To, again, kind of break down that third wall, we were talking about, you know, how old our kids were and how many kids I had. And it's just crazy to think what changes in the span of nine years. But so much. And yet, again, here you are doing doing your thing. And it's amazing. And I was so glad to see you on Tournament Champions. We'll talk all about that. Um, yeah. And I can't wait. So before we get started, for folks uh, new to the program, folks with terrible short-term memories like yours truly, Starters, mains, and afters. Starters, we talk a little bit about the history of the guests du jour, if you will. What brought them to be in the culinary strata? Mains, we talk about where they're at, what inspires them, what makes their heart pound. And finally, afters, a little bit more irreverent, a little bit more off the cuff, but no one has been seriously bodily injured in 200 episodes, so I don't see it happening tonight, but who knows. But without further ado then, Chef, Elon Hall, tell me about what you grew up eating. I mean, what I grew up eating really was my dad's food. Mm -hmm. And my dad started cooking um, out of necessity because, you know, when he got married, he was incredibly young. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it, we could go back to it. He started cooking because his mother was a terrible cook. He grew up in, in Glasgow, Scotland. Oh, mm -hmm. you know, he, he would tell me, he would tell me, I mean, the food in Scotland is unbelievable now, but he said that his mother would, um, would slowly roast a salmon in the oven for about three hours. My lord! Oh my um, god! You know, so, oh my god! So and he, I mean, you know, his mother wasn't the best, and he grew up, you know, so so he kind of taught himself how to cook, you know, doing basic things, steak and onions, and and things like that. But you yeah. know, lots of sort of on the on the cup barbecues and things like that. Just um, taught me how to cook a cook a cook, actually like fish on the the engine manifold of my of my Volkswagen Golf when I was in high school. That is that was a pretty cool thing. Um, so, you know, things like that. My dad was very crafty, and he, but he was the cook of the house. I mean, his office, uh, he still works. Uh, his office is in my parents' house. And so when my mom came home from her work, she was a, a newspaper designer. Mm -hmm. She, he would, he would have dinner ready every night. Mm -hmm. And he just, 
you know, do very simple things, roasted fish and, and meats, chickens, very vegetable heavy, not a ton, not a ton of starch. And it was just really, really nice, clean eating, lots of fresh things. We had an incredible local fish market by us. So like, that was how I grew up. And I actually, my first food memory, the thing, and I know you didn't ask this to me, but I just had this conversation with somebody like two days ago. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that made me realize that food was more than just sustenance oh. was when I was in, uh, when I was about five years old, we were on a family trip in Greece and I ate fried calamari and there was something I just, I, I'd never eaten it. I'd never, I, I never thought about food. I had no food memory before that. Yeah. So yeah. like there was some, something turned on with fried calamari. And I remember so much of like the color of the light and, yeah. and just the sky and the ocean and I remember the exact way these things taste. And it's, it, 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 it's a complete experience that way. And what's so funny is, so I keep everything. My wife will tell you, you know, it, it's not hoarding. It's probably borderline, but whatever. Who cares? So I have the interview sheet from 25, and that's how you answered that question. You answered it with the five-year-old calamari. Oh, really? What was the first food memory you had? And it was that. And so, like, and, and, and I hear you. And one other thing you just said that, like, my my dad growing up, he didn't always cook, but when it was his day off, he did cook for mom. And it was such like a telling experience. It was a great experience to see. And I really think that kind of shapes those of us who, you know, I don't have professional leanings in the culinary industry, but I have probably an unhealthy addiction to just knowing about as much as I can, yeah. you know, um, I just think that's, that's, that's so telling and so real that like nine years later, same answer came out. Um, what what kind of an eater were you? Uh, were you picky at first, or were you just I, adventurous? I don't. According to my parents, I wasn't very picky, but especially after that happened, then I was like, floodgates are open. Wow. So I was. And there were things that I preferred. I didn't love, and this is kind of a. I, I hope my dad doesn't hear this. <laughs> I didn't love the way my dad used to cook fish. I because I. And I realized in retrospect it was because he slightly overcooked, like leaner fish, flounder, mm -hmm, and like mm -hmm. white meat things. Um, you know, I always loved when he did swordfish very well. Sometimes he overcooked it a little bit. Um, but, but, and then I realized that I, it's not that I don't like fish. I just don't like fish that's overcooked. You know, so I, I got to a point where, you know, that when I started learning how to cook and my dad would teach me how to cook, I would sort of, I would re reference cookbooks and it'd be like, oh no, it's supposed to be a little bit more translucent when you cut cut through it. So mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you know, I would go back and be like, oh, let, let's just keep it off a little bit and keep it up a little bit. And my dad actually cooks fish perfectly now, not because of me, but just because I think of our conversations about and collaborations and, and realizing that, oh, this is a little bit on the on the more rare side, it's a bit better. So I love that. You know, I absolutely um, love that. And I think, I, I yeah. you know, Fish is a slippery slope, man. Beef you can play with. I I, I think even ch chicken's pretty forgiving, but fish is like thirty seconds, and y you're you're in the wrong end of the pool. And what's so funny is that like that's your modus operandi now, right? You know, f f fish is your bag if it's not vegan ramen, which we'll talk about um yeah. in, in a little bit. So how funny is that 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 kind of played forward? Um, yeah. You mentioned some of the dishes that 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 pops made. And I wonder, like, is there, like, one or two dishes in particular that you look back to and you're like, 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 it honestly makes your heart physically hurt that you miss it because you've never been able to recreate it? Uh, no. Or are you really. that damn good now? Like, <laughs> I mean, yes, but no, 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 but, no, but it's not even like that. It's that the food that he cooked that I loved was, I loved it because of how straightforward and simple it was. Yeah. It wasn't that he was taking chances, just that his technique was really good. So, like, he does a roasted chicken that is not the way I do roast chicken. He, right. He, he'll roast a chicken, and it's not like super dark or crispy, but he'll he'll roast it, and then he'll and then he'll add chicken broth. To it. So there'll be like garlic and tons of things stuffed in it. He'll if, if I'm over with my wife and kid, then he'll do two of them. But mm -hmm. if it's just me, him, and my mom, or if my sisters, are, you know, he'll do he'll do more chicken. But but he he just roasts it. Like, not even that high, like three three twenty five or something, mm -hmm. just stuffed with herbs and garlic. And then at a certain point, he pours a little bit of chicken broth in the pan. It's not elevated or anything. It just sits in there with it. And then he let it sort of like steams and glazes the bottom of it yeah. a little bit. And then, and then he takes it out and, and just cuts it up with a, you know, with, with chicken shears, like very rough. <laughs> I nothing, love it. nothing like, 
And so it's like little bits, there's bones on it, and, and almost like Chinese style. Uh, in terms yep. of the way it's cut, not yep. not in in sort of flavor, but and it's just perfect. Yep. And and you know he does that for my mom twice a week, and you know he'll do a roast fish, and he'll do you know, and there's always a big salad, and so it's just like that. That's my my comfort place, but it's not that I can't. I'm sure I could recreate it, but I don't want to recreate it. Exactly. You know, exactly. It's like it's special because he. It's also special because he makes it. It's yeah. not. You know, that's always, that's sort of a mantra of mine is like, you know, the best food is the one that you're not cooking yourself. Oh. And it's because there's something magical about somebody else making something for you, even if it's technically not as good as you could do it. Yes, I, I, I understand the, the science and the, and the signs and the techniques of making something perfect, but like, that's not, that's not, food is emotional. Yes. You know, and, yeah. and, it, and, you know, there's, I mean, this is, I don't. I don't know how how, uh, how R rated I can get. You but, can get um, totally R rated. There's no FCC on this oh, shit. It, yeah, it's always even if it's bad. It's always better when um, when somebody else is jerking you off than if you're jerking off yourself. Precisely. I <laughs> if I don't make a shirt out of that shit tomorrow, you have full license to do. Holy shit! I need that in my life right now. I'm making a note on the interview sheet right now. <laughs> right now that is fantastic no but but you're totally right you know Bourdain said it about you know people who got nervous cooking for him he's like but you're cooking for me and and I think that's been that's been a lesson for me over 10 years now it's like now when I cook you know and I'm I'm a student of the craft I'll never you know I'll I'll, I'll never go to CIA I'm not going to do that but I have so many smart people in my sphere like yourself sir that like I can glean just enough. I can warm my moth wings by the candle flame just enough to know just what it is I'm doing. Um, you know, but again, one of the biggest lessons I learned was that, you know, if you have a chef in your home, they really don't like, they're not critiquing it. They're not, they're just glad to have somebody taking care of them the way that they've devoted their lives to taking care of others. Yeah. For sure. It's, it's just, it's just about, you know, it's about like, the care that goes into it, and there's something, there's something, there's an intangible magic. It's vulnerable too, yeah. right? It's total vulnerability, yeah. um, because because you're putting your best effort out there. And uh, I'll never forget for the company I work for now. Uh, yeah, I started doing a professional podcast w- with regards to like our our practices and everything. And we were doing a user conference virtual because of COVID. And they're like, "Hey, would you do a cooking demo for 20 minutes?" and I said, well, sure, yeah. I mean, my go-to is my brown butter omelet. Like, no question, hands down. I can, I can crank that out, bang that out. So I had the VP of operations <laughs> mirroring me on the fucking demo. And I'm like, oh, God, oh, God. But but you have to stop yourself. And I imagine as, as a professional chef, culinary icon, you have to stop yourself t- sometimes and go, it's never going to be perfect. But if it's good, people are going to love it. And that's fine. That's good uh, enough. Yeah. I mean, when I'm making something, I am, it's, I, I don't, I, I mean, I guess that's, I, I have a little bit of a different perspective because it's my That's why job. you won a like, season of Top Chef and I'm sitting here yeah. behind a mic. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but I feel yeah. like any professional should sort of try and see, you know, you're trying to get, you, you know, of course you know that nothing is perfect, but it's always what you strive for. For sure. I mean, that's yeah. not, you know, um, I mean, listen, I didn't, I, <laughs> I kind of, I kind of shat the bet on on tournament of champions, but well, I uh, I think that's up for debate, but uh, you know, no, I, it's not up for debate at all. I think <laughs> that, no, I know exactly. It's but it's it's like when when I did Top Chef. I mean that that's you know we can get into that however we want, but yeah, um, when I did Top Chef and I didn't win a challenge, yeah. See, I was very like recipes in my head. That I was like, okay, this is one of the most delicious things I know that exists. So I, I I had a few of those that I tried to apply in certain places, and they worked when I did. Yeah. Yep. There were three. There are actually three that I that I flexed, and there were no, there were four, but only three of them worked. Yeah. Because one didn't fit the challenge a hundred percent properly. It was it was kind of a backwards, it's kind of a backwards like the way they presented the challenge to us, mm-hmm. and then like they told us behind the scenes what the challenge was before they did like the presentation of it. So right. we already shocked. Mm-hmm. prior to Padma giving the speech, even mm-hmm. though we were told what the challenge was. Mm-hmm. And I did something that they considered a side dish. It was a, a challenge for, um, for uh, uh, what you want to call it? it was this, 
second episode, or th- no, third episode. There's a challenge for um, her in the firehouse when we did, uh, when we cooked for the firemen, and it was oh. going to go on TGI Friday's menu. Yeah, yeah, shit. And, um, And I did a corn dish that was at my restaurant at the time that my friend Liz came up with, and and it, it's like a flawless corn dish with like smoked pimenton butter. Like it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's technically a side, but the way that they described it, they said a, I forgot the exact definition, but, but the producer like it's a dish that that has to be craveable. That's that's like all these sort of things, and it. I'm like, oh, this fucking works. This is great. I'm gonna do it. But I'm gonna do it with bacon. I'm gonna do it with bacon. I don't know. I did. I did the dish, and then and then after they're like, no, we wanted more of like a main course. But like, in nowhere did they say that. So it was kind of like a, I just bought a, t- a ton of corn. Yeah. Like, yeah. No, I get but, it. I get it. I'm 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 uh, frantically yeah. scrambling right now through Wikipedia trying to find the name of the uh of the challenge. Uh <laughs> and well, be... no, it was like the what was it? The yeah, it was the TGI Fridays. TGI Fridays, here we go. The chefs had to create a dish updating a childhood classic to fit the menu of TGI Fridays that would be served to the firemen of South Pasadena. The winning entree would be featured nationwide on the menu of TGI Fridays. The winner was Betty, grilled cheese and portobello yeah. mushrooms, roasted yeah. red pepper. Eliminated was yeah. super slamming surf and turf with Emily. So, okay. what what what's funny about that is that in the text that you read, it says entree. But when they presented the challenge to us before Padma said anything, because they gave us the challenge yeah. while we did the ice cream quick fire, yeah. and they said, "Hey, this is the next challenge." And because of scheduling, we had to go shopping prior. But they they just said a dish. They didn't say an entree. They didn't say entree full on. See, they didn't that say makes entree, sense. and that was the key. Yeah. So what happened was, so I made this dish. That was fucking awesome. Yeah. And like, I was like, oh shit, like this is a, this is a shoot. And they all said, oh my God, it's so delicious, but it's not an entree. So it was like, you know, um, you know, it, it was an updated roasted corn, whatever, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, but I had, that was the thing. Like, like I've had dishes that I know could apply and that's what I don't think I did on tournament champions. And I think that the way to sort of, you know, I'm hoping I can, I can, return on the, the next season um it would be great yeah i mean if like, i have anything to say about it which i don't you know I, I'll, I'll make it happen but <laughs> well, um i i no, i i think i think it's like i think it's a, a a side of your brain type of thing i think yeah people go in there gung-ho and just want to like flex but the people that win are methodical and are like okay i've got eight dishes I've got oh, I've got eight dishes that I can because you really actually you only need to do five things on the you only need to win five times to win tournament of champions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean you need to win every one, but you but it's only it's only really five rounds. It's only five so, rounds. Yep. So like basically, if you have five killer dishes that can apply to a majority of the combinations of things, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. understanding how the challenge is. That's how you win that game because mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, plug this in. I, you know, I, I have this perfect chicken franchise recipe that could be applied to veal, that could be applied to pork, that could, you know, it's like, it's yep. like, it's kind of like how I used to write my menus at the Gorbals. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would get a whole bunch of produce, a whole bunch of 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 protein, and then I would do like, I would do like color, like you know, like uh, you know, where you do two columns and then yep. you match things, or I would do three columns where it would be a starch, a vegetable, and then a, then a thing, and then I would like. I would connect the dots. I love it. And yep. and that's kind of like, that's a great way to approach Top Chef. That's why I did really well on the elimination challenges, but I didn't do really well on the quick fires. Oh, the quick fires, yeah. the quick fires are, and, and Tournament Champions is, is, is fast like a quick fire, but you sort of have to approach it. I mean, this is what I think. Like the I'm elimination. Not, you know, yeah. You like the elimination yep. where you have to have a dish. Because that's where I was successful. When I had something in my head, I'm like, oh, this can apply to that. You yeah. know, and you just yeah. have to like fall back. I, and and it's one of those things like, I was so in my head, like, oh, I've got so much in my brain, I could just do something. But it's really about, it really is about editing. Yep. Yep. You know, and, and just kind of understanding, like, oh, I made this dish. I have so many dishes that I made at the Gorbals that like I could do with my eyes closed, but I have to be like, okay, it has a component that's like this, it has a component that's like that, it has yeah. a component that's crispy, something braised, and something saucy. Mm-hmm. And Mm-hmm. And that has to be the mantra in your head, like, like, okay, because when you get presented your your wheel of death, mm-hmm. it starts. You have sixty seconds to think of something. Yeah. So if you're just trying to be purely creative on the fly, 
it's very, very difficult. The yeah. only, there's a very few people that can do that. I think Stephanie Izard is one of the best people that can do things like that. I would agree. Where yep. it's just like, it's all a crazy disaster. Yeah. And, or it, if you watch her, it's like nothing makes sense. And then at some point it just comes together. It just and does. that's how I, yeah, I did some stuff like that on Top Chef, but it's really <laughs> better when you like have some like stock, like fill in the blanks, like this will work. 60% of the time, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, well, and, and as I'm looking through the finale, right, against Marcel, to your point, you literally just outlined exactly what you did in the first four courses. Obviously, the fifth course was the dessert course. We're not going to play by that rule, but the the pincho, pan con tomate, angulaso, cetro, caviar, tomatillos. Uh, the second course was macadamia nut, gazpacho, pan-roasted moy. Um, so again, you're getting that, you, you know, here's the protein, here's my the best. Course, my fourth course, my, my, my entree was fucking terrible. My fourth course was horrible. Oh, uh, the beef that. short rib? Yeah, it was, yeah. it was badly cooked and it just was, it was, it was not a complete dish. Mm-hmm. And it upsets me to this day. I had, I had a conversation actually with Christian Petroni about it because I'd never met Christian. You know Christian Petroni? I do. Yep. Yep. Um, I met him, I met him for the first time when we were all at the hotel at Tournament Champions. We all hung out. It was like, a small hotel and like we kind of took over the whole place. So <laughs> I, I, I meet him and I'd seen him on TV a bunch, big fan. Mm-hmm. And, and, and he comes up to me and he just, he goes to me, he goes, he goes, Bray Short Rib, Romesco. And, oh. and uh, <laughs> he just like says, <laughs> I go, I go, why is that the one you remember? I'm like, that was the worst fucking thing I did. <laughs> and then we became friends instantly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If, if you start a relationship off with ball busting, it's like instantly glued. There's no question. No, but he was being he was being sweet. He was not he was like, I, I respect you and I'm like, that was fucking trash. <laughs> but My God. That almost makes it even better to be honest. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I was just I was just with Christian uh in Arkansas. It's good how you know him. I like that guy. He's a great guy. He yeah. a really great friend of our short period of time. Absolutely. What were you doing out in uh, Arkansas? It's a secret. I can't tell you. Okay, nothing, nothing yet. Um, yeah. No, no, we were there. We were there. We were with some friends cooking for the Bentonville Film Festival. So it was um, a bunch of chefs. It was um, it was my friend uh, Bert Bachman, mm-hmm. uh, who is an LA based chef, yep. barbecue champion, and um, and Aaron May, who is oh, Aaron all May, over yep. the Food Network. Yep. He's, he and I actually cooked together at Casa Mono twenty years ago. Oh my god! How funny is that? We were both line cooks. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's really funny. And what's funny is that we. We stayed in touch. I visited him in our, in, um, in Arizona once and, and we sort of, we, we loosely stayed in touch and then we sort of reconnected and really hung out at the South Beach Food and Wine Festival in like 2016 or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then have just been in contact and are, you know, we've become just closer and closer. So it's great that I've really sort of like reconnected and solidified a great friendship with him because he's, he's a great dude. Awesome. Man. Um, and, uh, love spending time with him. Love spending yeah. time with Petroni. For Saw sure. Eric Green's fan the other day. Yeah, I've been, I've had a, a pretty, uh, a chef-erific year. A chef-erific year. I love it. I love it. Um, and, 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 you know, speaking of that, let's, let's kind of talk present landscape, right? Cause we kind of, we've kind of gone back in the past. Folks who didn't listen to it the first time, shame on you. I'll ring the shame bell at you. Go back, listen to episode 25 if you want to hear more. Um, you know, and, we, you know, we kind of touched on that food moment again. It's so funny that the calamari was still the callback nine years later, but like present day. So. You know, I flipping through the channels the other night, you know, I came on Tournament of Champions. I'm like, holy shit, that's Elon. Like, I haven't seen him in like like nine years. And it instantly got me thinking. And I want to talk still a little bit past, but just to kind of help everyone understand. Because, folks, if you have a culinary pulse in your veins and you were watching TV, you know, five, six years ago, Knife Fight entered your radar. Um, and for me, I, I, and I mean this, it's not because it's you. I hold Knife Fight literally in the number one spot for culinary competition. I thought it was the greatest show. I really do mean that because it was the most real. It was gritty. It was everything that I wanted from, from, from a culinary show. And it was still cool. Like it was really cool. And. I, I just, I have to ask the question because I didn't get the chance to the first time looking back through my notes. How did the Gorbals spawn Knife Fight? How did that happen? Were you, okay, it was, it was kind of like not that 
it was it was an overnight success. No, it was it actually <laughs> stemmed from me cooking at Casa Mono. Okay. So at the end of the night, you know, everybody watched Iron Chef, and so we would have like these little competitions where we'd have like mise en place that kind of wouldn't make it till the next day, and then like you know maybe a little bit of something, a piece of steak, like, you know, just like little things that were left over. And we would have like these really quick, like five minute competitions where two cooks would have to like come up with something. And then like the manager or server would taste it and one person would win. And either, either it would, there was never like a prize prize, but it was like one person had to break down the other person's like nine pans from the sandwich station or something, you know, from like the the cooler. So it was like, you know, it was like, like, not like a nothing or, or, you know, you could bet on, you could do that. And then, but it was it was literally just for us fucking around, and so I kind of started doing that at the restaurant. Yeah. And chefs chefs would come in at the corbels, and then chefs would come into to the restaurant and be like, "Wait, I want to fucking compete!" And it was just like this sort of little little kind of quick thing, and 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 we would do it every once in a while. It wasn't like a coordinated. It was usually very on the spot. Yeah, and. Yeah. And I got connected with, uh, with these two guys, Rich Kim and, uh, and, um, and, uh, Kevin Johnston. And we, you know, Rich and I had a really long conversation. He's like, he's like, you know, I'm trying to come up with, with ideas to pitch for different networks. Like, and, you know, do you have any ideas? And, and we were throwing around this idea, which actually also became a show that was still called Food to Get You Late. Um, <laughs> but, but like we were just throwing around. And, and the, the thing is, I never loved, um, um, I never like, you know, I I was like, I never felt like, like, I I didn't think of myself as a host of a TV show. Yeah. Yeah. And even, you know, so I kind of, I kind of was like, you know, that food gate late, it's a cool idea, but like, I don't know if I'd want to host it. I feel like kind of douchey of like, like, yeah, I I used to cook for people and like them, you know, totally, totally have sex with me. Like it was, it felt like kind of a little bit corny. And then the evolution of that show became something else. But before that, I'm like, oh, but there's this thing that we do where we like, a bunch of chefs kind of fuck around mm-hmm. and we just mm-hmm. do it. It's like super quick. It's like not, it's not, you know, it's like, it's like for fun. There's no money. It's just like, he's like, oh, well, that see, it sounds kind of cool. He's like, yeah. can we like invite a bunch of people and shoot one? I'm like, yeah, sure. So we got some friends with cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm like, like, okay, let me ask like my buddy CJ because he's like great, you know, from Top Chef. Yep. He's great on, um, on camera. He's an amazing cook. Yep. He, you know, he's like, like, like he's great. He's a great friend. He's in LA. And then, and then, uh, another friend got, got somebody, um, got somebody else. Oh, um, cut this part out where I don't remember her name. Um, but no, there's, there's another, another chef. And, um, and so we, they filmed it and I, and I was like, you know, I didn't know how to make TV. I'd been on top chef, but like I didn't know how to make it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and so we shot it and it, it looked awesome. It felt awesome in the room, you know, cause it was just like, you know, it was just, it was in my restaurant. It was in my home. It was my equipment. It was, yeah. you know, stuff, leftovers that were in my fridge, which actually was partially inspired by a challenge that we did on Top Chef. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that like, that was like, you know, but it, that was the thing from Cosmono was like, you know, just leftover shit, like use it, figure it out. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean, that's, that's what made it honest it, it, for, for me. Okay. It, 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 if I can make, boy, this is, this is taking a big leap and I hope it doesn't come across as egotistical as it sounds in my mind. But for me with, with the course grind podcast, like I want it to be organic. I want it to be grassroots. I don't want to pretty up a process that is dirty, that is tiring, that is everything, but it comes out being artistic. And I feel like what makes me love knife fight the way I did, by the way, it was Chris Morningstar that faced CJ. Um, uh, no, 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 that was. I'm talking. This was the. This was the sizzle reel. Oh, this, this is a sizzle. Okay. Oh, even better. No, it wasn't Chris. Mar- Chris Morningstar was when they actually competed on on the show. show. On the show. But yep. Before before that, for the for the reel, it was Dakota. Dakota oh, Dakota uh, Weiss, my first guest ever. Weiss. My yeah. first guest Dakota ever Weiss. on this show. Holy shit! Yeah. yeah wow. So, so okay. So reel, so even more I don't so. Have a copy of the sizzle, but like I have. Oh. But it was so it was, it was Dakota and and um and CJ. Oh my God! No, no wonder they picked it up, and that's what makes it real. To go back to it, it's like everything is like as presented, and that's what I've loved from day one. Anytime I talk to someone from Top Chef, like, like you're all as promised. You're all the real deal because, like, look at what you lived, and then this show, then Knife Fight, 
is like even more real because I've got a little bit of experience in the kitchen, like professional kitchens. And like, that is what you do at like two in the morning. That is what you do. Like it, it was just so real, so beautifully done. And so, oh my God, I had no idea Dakota was on the, 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 the pitch reel. And cause that was, I forget what episode she's in the crowd. And, and they like ask her about something. Um, I well, yeah, well, she came back for that channel, for that, um, for that episode, I think. Yep. She came back for that episode. Yeah. It, it was really funny because for this, for when we did, when we did the thing with CJ and Dakota, mm-hmm. um, one of the ingredients, cause I would just like go and get shit. I remember the day we shot it. I was like, I've never done a film, a TV show where I have but say in anything. So I yeah. was like, let's do this. And that, and the thing, the thing with the, the knives, like that was a game time thing. I was like, I was like, oh, I grabbed some. We always had kidney knives in, in in the house because people would lose knives, steal my knives, whatever. <laughs> yeah. They will lose their own yeah. knives, and so I had a bunch of like you know kiwi knives, which are really inexpensive when you buy them. They're like super sharp mm-hmm. and they last for a bit. So like you know they're super cheapy, but they work. And so I was just like, oh, let me get a big one and a small one, and just be like, like I won, I lost. That is literally one of the best parts of the show. I love that because it, was, it is it was so. Like last thing. I, I, it's it's ingenious though. It's it's ball busting just enough that it's humorous without being insulting, right? Like it's it's yeah. we're not crossing a line, but it was so awesome. Like I looked at these and I'm like, oh my god, I need to make a set of these. Um, you know, because we share an Iron Chef fandom. I'll I'll share with you off the mics. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I I think. Just overall, coming from an Iron Chef Japan Top Chef fandom, then to see your show, and this is honestly, this is like to purge my fanboyism and like leave it here and be done with it. It really was to me the perfect culinary competition show, hands down. Yeah, hands down, no question. Um, so we fast forward. So all of a sudden, I find out there were only four seasons of Knife Fight. And I'm despondent, disappointed, etc. And I start reading more about Ramen Hood. Which which currently is 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 the thing out in L.A. Correct. Um, yeah. Recently, you did a piece. You did an interview or a panel. I'm not sure which. And it was podcast one of the most. Oh, okay. Oh, awesome podcast. Even. It was a visual. It was a one that's filmed. A video one versus these amateur ones yeah. that are only audio. Yeah. Sorry, children. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but 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 one of the comments you said, which truly made me you know, admire your legacy to the culinary world more was that a good vegan chef who wants to represent like meat in their dishes needs to have eaten meat before. And it struck me, it almost struck me dead just where I was standing. I'm like, that's so brilliant. Tell me a little bit more about the origin story. Then we've gone from knife fight in the gorbals to ramen hood, the origin story of ramen hood. And like, what, what made that be? What made that become? Well, it's actually kind of a funny story. Um, it, it's a, it's a two parter. It's sort of, I, we had this situation. I don't know if, it, it, I don't, you probably didn't see the, the whole, the whole podcast, but I had this whole, I cooked a lot of meat, pig heads, pigs, the, you know, yeah. goats, land, you know, the whole, the whole thing. Yeah. And it was a big part of my restaurant. It was a big part of the identity of the food that I made. And I got a suckling pig once. One of my purveyors was like, Hey, uh, uh, somebody ordered this and then couldn't take it or whatever. I'll give it to you at a good price. Beautiful, like suckling pig, super high quality, like amazing product. And so he's like, so I get it. I'm like, and so I go on the, the Facebook, I take a picture of me holding, holding suckling pig and I go to Facebook and I'm like, Hey, for the restaurants, for the restaurants, Facebook. And I'm like, Hey, I got this beautiful suckling pig. And oh, what do you guys think I should do with it? Oh boy. Like crowdsource, like, like what should I do? <laughs> and I never thought anything because I posted videos of me with fucking pig skin and lamb parts. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, didn't cross my mind. Right. And right. this, this like coordinated vegan group, like militant vegan group was like, you're a murderer. We're going to take your business down, basically. And so, and these people did, um, I forgot, I don't even remember the name of funny. Uh, I don't remember the name of them, but they, they coordinated this whole plan to like do this in-person protest inside my restaurant where they would walk in with signs and scream and kind of like, at, like outside of abortion clinics. Or like, or, that, or like that. the fur coat people, like where they're throwing paint and shit on them. Yeah. 
exactly. Yeah, got it. Exactly. Like that, like that kind of thing. And so, you know, the, our landlord was like, oh, we're a little bit nervous about this. But I'm, I'm like, but they were stupid because they were playing their entire thing online on an open Facebook page. So we were watching them and they were scoping the restaurant out. Some of them went to my roof and took videos and said, we're here. You know, Gross. we know everything. Blah, 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 blah. So okay. the night that it was all supposed to all go down, we were really busy in the restaurant. And I told all the patrons in the restaurant, I said, hey, listen, I know you guys are having a great time. There's this group that wants to come and protest that are vegan, that are really against everything that we do. Um, I just want to let you guys know, let's, you know, peacefully let them say their piece. We're not going to force anybody out. We're not, you know, let's just let them. And, and, and I gave everybody a drink and I, and everybody was like super cool. They're like, no problem. We're yeah. cool. Yeah. Nothing happens. They never come in. Yeah. And they posted it. They ended up going to a restaurant a block away from me. And what had happened was we were busy and downstairs they were having a party. And so our whole building was like packed. So yeah. I think they got scared thinking that like, I don't, I don't know what they were thinking, but we were just like a super busy place and they were going to come in and start. So we, so we were prepared for them. We were going to, you know, peaceful protest, please. Even though it's private property, we're like, no problem. Come on in. Um, and they never came. And after that, I was like, because I, I cherish ingredients. I have no, you know, I think that, I, and when I make, when I would make vegetarian dishes at the restaurant, I would always make them vegan because I always felt just personally, not that other people, but like, I felt like that if you're dairying up a dish, I feel like that's not showing the true essence of a, of a, of a vegetable. That's just, I like eating dairy. I like eating vegetables with dairy. I'm just for me, for the way I like to cook. So all of our vegetable dishes, for the most part, were completely vegan regardless. And I would always take as much care with them as I would with meat, meat-based dishes because you should do that. Right, right. And so they were never, nothing was ever throwaway. There, were, there was no, so no waste, no wasted stuff. So I always had a huge vegetable section on the menu. So, so I was, so I was like, that was always in the back of my head, these people that came in and I was doing this dish where it was kind of a, a popular thing for all we were pressured with sunflower seeds and kind of make risotto out of it. You puree some of it. And then oh. add it back into the, the, the sunflower seeds. And then it was, it was a dish that, um, I, it could be debated on, on who actually came up with it, but, uh, but Alexander Talbot, H. Alexander Talbot from Ideas and Food, who, mm-hmm. if you don't follow him, he's unbelievable. Yep. Him and his wife, Aki, um, and they have come up with some amazing stuff. And, and I, I love their perspective on things, but it was a thing, a thing that they came up with and, and I did it. Michael Voltaggio has had one on his menu, Mayland, like a bunch of, a bunch of us have borrowed that, that, that dish or that technique. Yeah. But what was cool was that I would change, I would do one per season and I would change the flavor profile, you know, so, and, and basically one time it was, I did, uh, kombu miso, miso, and it was always vegan. That was the whole, the whole point of it was that it was a sure. vegan dish that was super hearty. I would garnish it beautifully with beautiful vegetables, but we did one that was miso. Kombu and shiitake, dried shiitake mushrooms. That was the base of the of the the broth that we were doing. I love it and delicious. Made risotto, you know, garnished it with shiso. I don't remember exactly what the garnish was, but the leftover liquid I would sip on, and they'd be like, "This just tastes like a beautiful, like super rich tonkatsu, like misoi tonkatsu broth." Mm-hmm. And and then and then at the same time, we were offered this space in Grand Central Market in Los Angeles, and then fresh in my mind was this vegan group. So like all this stuff happened at the same time where I was like, wait a second, this is like an amazing ramen broth. Mm. And, and it was like waste. It was like leftover. So I'm like, wait a second. Cause I was, I wanted to do something vegan in, in Los Angeles in this place, regardless yeah. because of these people. And then I was like, this is a good ramen broth. I'm like, what if we do a vegan ramen? I love it. And so me and my partner started working on it. I had this broth idea that we tweaked and figured out. And then we just sort of started toying with it and putting it together. And he was actually in, in Copenhagen working at Noma at the time. And I was like, I called him. I was like, Hey, when you come back, like we should do a thing. And so it all kind of came together. And that's how Ramen had started. I love that. I love every single part of that because what a beautiful <laughs> so it's platform. Part spite. Yeah. It's part spite. <laughs> part spite. Part ingenuity, part, uh, you know, waste. And it just kind of like, that's how it came to be. Man, aren't all the great things, though, at least part spite? I think they have to be. I think <laughs> they've, they've at least got to be a little bit. Um, and, uh, 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 again, you know, ramen becoming 
what it's like it, it, it's always been a thing but i feel like and if i can reference anime culture i feel like ramen is maybe a little more popular now be, because of it so. you know keep in yeah. mind i was the dork in the late 90s like ordering anime vhs tapes from japan but we'll we'll sidestep that awesome. we, we won't admit that uh, we totally did just now um again the same guy with total dvd uh rips of VHS tapes of Iron Chef Japan. But anyway, again, I digress. But, like, I feel like ramen is experiencing... <sighs> Renaissance might be too strong, but I feel like people are way more aware of ramen and the multi-capabilities it has. What do you mean? Like, just just that it, it it's, it's not just the, you know, microwave pack that you toss in a bowl of water and... Uh, again, yeah. that's very much simplifying dumbing it down. But but I feel like now people actually, my my oldest just had a friend over and she's like, could you put a soft boiled egg on top of my ramen? I'm like, of course I fucking can. Please let everything in the world stop so I can do this for you. And you know, cut it open nice and nice and just ever so slightly oozy. Like, but I feel like people are paying more attention to their ramen as opposed to you know, I, I think you and I are close in age gaps. You know, in college tossing it in hoping it soaks it up yeah. at 2 in the morning so that I can get up for an 8 a.m. class. Yeah. I mean, that's... that's I mean... Yeah. That's, that's what we did. I mean, I sort of... I mean, I, I went to CIA, so our leftover food was... was I like, was going to say, you're probably doing a little bit better than the rest of us. <laughs> no, but... No, but what's... This isn't one of the things that you take for granted when you go to CIA, is that, like, you... There's so much food there that... Yeah. Like and it's all high quality, even if it's not cooked great because everybody's learning. But you're you're all eating people that are in classes. Yeah. So like Pete, you're getting cooked for every single day for every single meal. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And so, so like the so, leftovers yes, are fantastic. We also, had ramen. we also had ramen, but we also had um, you know somehow we'd end up with you know lobsters, one <laughs> 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 lobsters and foie gras. There's literally one tear running down my cheek for you right now. I'm like, oh. Well, there, was one, there was one time, my second year, my second year, towards the end, we had a class. And, you know, towards the end, we were kind of like, you know, a little bit, a little bit loose. And, and my house that we had, was six of us. And we were all a little bit slightly degenerate. Mm -hmm. And um, and when we were in the French kitchen, I think, I think I stole, I mean, I guess, you know, statute of limitations is over. Oh, 20, you're far past that, sir. Yep. I stole. <laughs> I stole a bunch in my knife roll. I stole like I think four lobsters and um, <laughs> four cooked lobsters that we had for this like lobster mango avocado like cold dish. But I yeah. stole four lobsters. I stole like a bunch of, of cooked foie and like and like a chunk of truffles and we made like sandwiches with them. The back of my house was fucking awesome. <laughs> oh my god, it was so great. You you suffered so much, <laughs> dude. It was it was. That was, I mean, that last, that last year of culinary school was great. Yeah. Because I was, like, really good friends, and we just kind of fucked around. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, I, I love every single part of that, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, but there's... Yeah. But yes, ramen is better. Ramen, to get to your point. Yeah, to, get, to bring it back around. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I mean, just like anything, you know... It, Anything can be elevated, right? But again, I think you need to look at the necessity of the elevation. Does it need to be so? And I think in the case of ramen, how how beautiful is that? That yes, you know, yes, you can elevate that. Um, we we just got back from a cruise um, to Bermuda, and they had a noodle station every day. And like some days it was udon, some days it was soba, and then one day it was ramen. And they had um, crispy fried onions. Um, sambal alek. They literally had the whole topping station. I couldn't have been fatter or happier because of what was there. Like they had this like just layout of toppings, and it really spoke to that. So, um, but again, ramen hoods out there, out there on the West Coast, folks. Three Seventeen yes. South Broadway Street, L.A., California. Um, if you're in the area, I would definitely, definitely recommend you check it out. So. Um, what else is going on in the current landscape? I know you were mentioning a little bit about some, uh, future ticklings. I don't want to give too much away, but. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, I'm trying to do more, some more Food Network stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm in, I'm in an episode of Grocery Games that should be coming out soon. If it's not already out, I actually have no idea. Um, 
where I go up against a bunch of great chefs from Tournament of Champions. And um, that was that was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, you know, I'm working on stuff. I'm working on a couple more, a couple more food related pitches. Always, um, uh, you know, we're trying to trying to figure out more more ramen hood, um, yeah. more pop ups, more ramen hood. Working on some retail stuff. I mean, I'm just trying to. Ever since COVID, it's like you got to kind of. I mean, I, I think this goes for everybody. Everybody's trying to diversify. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not one thing. You have to do. You have to try six to make one and a half land. No question. Um, no question. So it's, it's really, it's really just like a, you know, a bit of a gig economy. Um, but, but I'm, 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 you know, trying to, trying to make some things happen. Yeah. No. Back, back All when COVID first, uh, back when COVID first, first hit, we, we did two panel shows. Um, guests from Top Chef far later than you, uh, Hosea. Well, well, actually, Hosea wasn't that far after you. He was no, season four, far, I think. No. Um, but he, um, as soon as COVID hit, he turned, um, his restaurant presence into a, into a butcher in a storefront and it was yeah. amazing. And like, it, it was one of the coolest things because here he is like frontline, like telling me what he's doing to survive because like you see these people, you, you include it on TV and you think, oh damn, man, they're bulletproof. They're fine. They're fine. Your restaurateur is just like the rest. And you got to figure oh, yeah. out, to your point, like, it's a gig economy. What can I do? Try six, make one. Dude, it was, I mean, everybody in New York, it was, it was wild because it felt like everybody didn't know what to do. Everybody was doing World Central Kitchen and everybody was, you know, feeding, yep. feeding first responders and feeding, yep. you know, feeding, feeding, um, people working hot, you know, hospital workers. And then, and then it was like delivery. Everybody yep. was doing delivery, but delivery was really just, you know, New York's a big place, but like, how many people are going to order fine dining delivery four days a week? Well, that's the thing, though, too, isn't it? Like, fine dining, at least as I understood it from folks I talked to, took the biggest hit because no one was putting asses yeah. in seats. You know, yeah. they were doing yeah. the quick, the, the, the quick casual, like, like, let me grab it, let me go. Um, our local, uh, actually one of our better restaurants locally, uh, Turkey Hill Brewing, uh, here in Bloomsburg, they turned their parking lot into almost like a drive-in theater. Like you pulled up yeah. and they, they, they didn't roller skate. I wish they would. I told them that. Put some roller skates on. It'll be amazing. Nobody listened. But they, you know, they, they took your order in, brought your order out, and off you went. And again, they were able to survive by that, but like, wow, it's, it's, uh, is it safe to say that the impact is still being felt? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah of course. Are you yeah. kidding me? I mean, we had investment. We were going to open up five ramen hoods in New York City. Yep. 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 And then it, and then it, then our investor was like, I'm, I'm a rich person. I'm moving to Aspen. I don't want to be involved in restaurants anymore. <laughs> was that exactly what he said or? <laughs> uh, that's exactly what he did. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah. in more or less words. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, too much liability. I, I no, I get it. I get it. it. And it's, it's, you know? it's crazy. And people, you know, the, the, the lay diner, the lay eater thinks, honestly, they think it was over like a year ago or even, I don't know, maybe even two years no. ago. I'm not sure. But like, it's still the ripples are still in the water. Just like, you know, you oh, throw a big boulder yeah. in the water. Those ripples are going out to the to the shores, bud. Like they're not stopping. Because you got, you got to think. You got to think. It's also so many people opened up. I, I mean, I, I can only speak for New York and LA. That's the only those are the only places that I have sort of a grasp on. Yeah. In the industry, but but so many new places opened up in New York. That what happens is when you have a restaurant that's closed for two years, even if you're hot shit, even if you're great, and people love you. Nope. If if the same type of restaurant or the same tier of restaurant that's opening. When you're just reopening, yeah. people are going to be like, oh, I'm going to go to the new place. Of course, because it's new. You know? Yeah. Because it's new. And so there's so many places like that that opened up. And I think that after COVID, that is almost one of the things that affected the sort of tried and true restaurants that were trying to make it on the, on the, on the back end of that. You know, then all these new places opened. It's like, oh shit, because there was space available because a bunch of people went out. And mm -hmm. so it kind of then, you know, fucked over people that, I mean, it, it wasn't there, you know, it can't, it's fucking capitalism, it's how we, it's how we live, but. No, I know, I know, but when you talk you know? about it from a place of emotion, of course you're going to be upset about it. 
Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. But okay, so I mean, let's bring it back to a place of positivity, right? Ramen Hood. Here, here's yes. here's Elon on all over Food Network, killing it like he's done since season two of Top Chef, which absolutely one hundred percent adore and stand behind. Um, let me let me ask you some questions that only somebody of a caliber of yourself, chef, would know. Um, just because as we talk about the industry, as we talk about the land land. I think these are important to kind of look at. So we always kind of operate on like the next big thing, right? What's the next big thing? Talk to me about what the next big thing is in dining in general, in, in, in food and drink, like however you want to frame it. What is the next big thing to Chef Elon Hall? Oof, that's a hard. I always have, usually have a, feel like I have a good answer for that. You know, I think that if you asked me three years ago, I would have said plant-based food, but I feel like, COVID actually sort of disrupted that. COVID did. I, I would agree with that 100%. Um, so I, I think, you know, the next big thing, it's hard because we're at, the, we're at this like recovery point where people want, people want comfort food. And I, and those are my, personally, those are my least favorite moments mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. feel like there's plenty of comfort food out there. And so when new places are opening, and doing comfort food. I mean, I'm giving you the negative point of what you asked me. No, I, uh, I, 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 I hear it though. Be, I do but, hear it. But I, you know, I, I think I, I feel like I feel like everybody's got burger fatigue, what and I think that I think that there's going to be some fast casual thing that's going to going to come up. Love it. Um, I don't know. I don't know exactly what that is yeah. or where that where that goes, but I, I feel like there's. You know the reemergence of the hot dog, or you know, there's but there's people that have been doing doghouse has been doing elevated stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Sumo Dog has been doing that. Well, places based out of LA. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I feel like you know, Smash Burgers need to take a break for a sec. I you know, <laughs> I would... they're delicious, but like, how many more fucking Smash Burger places do we need? I you got. Know? I have to pull the curtain back. So this weekend is what we lovingly call. Friendsgiving weekend. Thanksgiving, you bring the family that you're born into. Friendsgiving, you bring the people who you love. So some guests of the show are, are coming to the house. Uh, Beth Aretsky, grill bitch from uh, Bourdain's Kitchen Confidential. She's bringing her daughter. And we're just going to eat and drink and be merry all weekend. And as I'm menu planning, as I'm off to do, I first pulled out Burger Bar's menu from Hebert Keller. And I looked at it and I went cover to fucking cover. And I went, nope, 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 I'm out. No more burgers. No more burgers. And I, I closed it and I moved on. I went to, um, uh, Stephen Reichland's, uh, grilling Bible. And, you know, again, pick, picked out a couple, um, got a, got a cool new smoker. So we're going to be working on that. But my point to that is like, I'm with you. I've seen enough smash burgers. I've seen enough stuffed burgers. I've seen enough juicy Lucy's. I'm good. I'm good for a while. Anyway. Yeah. I feel like we've got it all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think um, we've been to, been there, done that. So let me ask you on the tail of that question. Then you give me fast yeah. casual, um, kind of a you, you know wonderful kind of open ended fast casual. I might add, but then on the other side of that is like the stuff you want to see go away. Like what what trend in the industry right now that that could still be trendy? Are you just rolling your eyes to the point of tearing the tendons behind your eyes? Like. You can't handle it anymore. What do you want to see go away? Okay, this is very controversial because um, people that I love, it's something that I love. Yeah. And I think that chefs should slow down with caviar. I love it. No, I agree. <laughs> like, I love, I love, and I love caviar. And I love caviar, but it doesn't need to go everywhere. It, does, it doesn't need to go on fried chicken. We don't need I mean, an Ocetra-infused, Ocetra batter, complicated with Ocetra champagne. But you know like, what? At the same time, what the fuck am I talking about? I, I, I literally went to Daper to eat Malin's <laughs> sandwich with the, with her fish sandwich with the, um, with the, she has Ocetra. Ocetra, uh, yeah. No, it's, it's not, it's Kaluga, Kaluga tartar sauce on it. And that's fucking perfect. It's so, so I don't know. I, I, I have no idea. No, I, I guess it's just people, chefs that I don't like doing it. Maybe that's it. Maybe I, I just don't, don't want to see chefs that I don't like. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to ask you to name drop. We can do that off air. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't know. I love, I love everybody. I'm I not. know. We, 
Ilan Hall loves everybody. You heard it here first. Um, I do. Along, I do. I along with, along with it, 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 so long as it's someone else's hand, it always feels better uh, when you're jerking off. Um, so we got that going for us. Um, so, God, I love this guy. Why Why nine years? It has to be shorter than nine years next time. Um, you called me and I said, you, you reached out. I said, yeah, dude, I mean, you literally turned a yes on in like two seconds. So kudos to you. I'm the asshole here. Um, career-wise, Ilan, y- y- you know, R- Ramen Hood's amazing, uh, Food Network trajectory on point. Give me the five-year plan. What are you looking at? What are you doing? Five-year plan, um, make a retail product for a giant uh, big box retailer, retail food product that sells uh, a million units a year and retire in happiness. Might as well, like, might as well clap it right there and say, all right, cut. Uh, we're good. We're out. Um, no, I, 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 I love that. It's, it's so funny. Um, my wife and I were just talking about retiring early and I, I had this moment where I'm like, damn, I never thought I'd be talking about retiring, let alone retiring early. And yet here we are. And hey. yeah, yeah, I mean, spot right. on. No, I mean, that's not bullshit. I'm going to work till I'm, till I'm eight years old. That's just the way I am. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, listen, I would love to, I'd love to come up. I'd love to have a bunch of things going on. I'd love Ramapa to, to grow. I would love, um, I would love to get into the, get into the retail food space, whether it's with ramen stuff, whether it's with, um, you know, some sort of condiments. I, I think that there's a lot of space for some beautiful stuff. Yeah. Um, and I would like to make some more TV. And I think if I have some sort of a balance of a little bit of each, I think I'm a very, very happy guy. Absolutely. And I think you're you're spot on on, on, on TV, man. Uh, again, Thank you know, you. just like tuning in. I, I, I can't tell you. It was like seeing somebody I knew from high school be like, oh, awesome. my God, I know that guy. And like it, it was instant. And so like before my defensiveness of you was like an old high school friend. I'm like, no, he didn't screw up. Screw that. That's bullshit. That was a bad call. Bad call. Bad flag on the play. Bad, bad call. Bad call. Bad, bad call. call. Bad call by, uh, by, uh, by, who is it? Ming Tsai. And... Yeah, Ming Tsai. Also, also a veteran oh, of no, this it was, podcast. It was, uh, it was Scott Conant. Scott Conant was there. Scott Conant, Ming Tsai, and, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anywho. Oh, and Alex Cornichelli. And the thing about Scott Conant is that Scott Conant was at the finale dinner from Top Chef. Yes, he was. You're right. So, so top chef. So he helped me win top chef, but he and he helped me lose tournament champion. So, I mean, I think he's at like a, a neutral. He's at a zero for you right now. He needs to prove himself. Yeah. Tell Scott Conan. Yeah. I said, prove yourself to Elon right now. Yes. Needs That's to happen. Hey, uh, you ready for some afters questions? Some funsies on the yeah. way out. All right. Yes, chef. Listen, oh, we chef. Uh, I'm standing in your kitchen. You and I are cooking together. You have control of. The playlist. What are we listening to? Um, look at the last thing I listened to on my phone. I will literally tell you right now. <laughs> um, the last thing I searched for. Oh, yeah. There's a new, uh, it's a really young, uh, group of two girls from LA, I think, called Flyana Boss. F-L-Y-A-N-A Boss. B-O-S-S. And I found, I, somehow algorithmically found them on Instagram and they're adorable and they have this song. It's very catchy and they run through like the street while they're doing it. It's two of them. It's very good. Okay. Well, I love running through the street to begin with. Uh-huh. Um, and to just like cute girls being just like fun. That's fantastic. They're great. No, they're great. And their, their songs are boppy. It's good. I like pop music. I mean, it's, it's hip hop, but it's like, you know, um, I like that new little Yachty album. That's great. Very weird and very, uh, very experimental. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I like, I lean towards hip hop mostly, but I like a lot of things. I mean, I was just, I was listening to Rancid earlier this morning. Oh, I love um, it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of, I'm all over the place. I'm actually, I was, I've been following, I'm sorry. Um, you asked me one simple question. It's supposed to be fun. No, I love it. On a go, tangent. go. But, um, but no, I was, uh, I, I, I used to be a big fan of No Effects and they're on their final tour and I, they haven't announced a New York date, and I'm like, I'm traveling a little bit this summer with my family, and I'm like hoping that it doesn't coincide because <laughs> I I've missed every opportunity to see them live in my life. Okay, and I I really want to see them. That's amazing, 
And without being too self-serving, I am going to plug here. The new t-shirts are available, people, and they are based on the NoFX logo. Um, no way! Dude, every one of my shirts has been punk-influenced. I think I sent you the CBGB one. Um yeah. So... I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm pulling the curtain way the hell back. I'm sending y- y- you and your fam shirts. Um, they're all based hey. on the MXPX uh, dude, and uh, it's amazing. My tattoo artist Pat Manley, big up Pat, uh, did the art for it, and it's incredible. So check them out. Go to the site. Go to the go to the page on Facebook. Order them today. Message me. I'll hook you up. No questions asked. Um, but I totally agree. I, I think uh, you know it's it's just it's. It's it's amazing. I'm looking back through your answers. Do you want to know what your answers were nine years ago? Tell me. R. Kelly, Action Bronson, and DMX. Dude, that didn't age well. <laughs> that did not age well at all. Jesus. Uh, one's in prison. Uh, one's I think still on Vice. And um, no, he's got his own, he's got his own. No, Action's Action's still great, but uh, Dan DMX is past. Wow, that's it, R. Kelly. Fuck. <laughs> I mean, listen, I used to be a huge R. Kelly fan, I, and then uh, now I'm no longer, so there you go. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, so anyway, <laughs> let's move on past <laughs> that, shall we? <laughs> Thanks for that one. <laughs> Sorry about that, dude. Um, no, all right, next question, hypothetical situation. You're going to be stranded on a deserted island, uh, and you can only bring three foods or food-type items with you. What would they be and why? Inexhaustible supply. Inexhaustible supply. Um, Only three, though. I think I, I feel like I remember what the old one, what the last one was. I got it right in front of me, buddy. So uh, I think I said, I think I said, maybe I said, do I say French fries? <laughs> Holy shit! Crispy French fries, one French for fries? one. Uh, I'm gonna ice cream. Holy shit! Two for two. Fuck! Uh, now the last one, I don't know. Um, last one I don't remember. What was the last one? Do you want to take a guess? Um, fucking sushi? Uh, no, bacon. What was it? Bacon, okay. Bacon. But, uh, dude, um, I mean, two, two for two nine years ago? Two for, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll take that, no question. By the way, just because I am a fallible host, you said no FX, and I said MXPX. And you said MXPX. Mm-hmm. I, I caught that, but I didn't want to correct. My bad entirely, thank you. Because, um, again, no FX is Fat Mike, MXPX is yeah. the one with the crazy punk kid in the logo. However, shirts are still as promised, um, because obviously, little punk love there. Um, the, uh, next one... Wait, so do you want to hear my updated, my updated ones that, that I want, that I would do now if I change them? Oh my god, of course! I'm sorry, I was playing the guessing game with no, you. No, my no, bad. no, it's yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, it would probably be mushrooms, not, like, psychedelic mushrooms, <laughs> but, I mean, that, but I don't consider that a food thing. Um, right. <laughs> that's a pastime. Some sort of mushroom. No, I think, because I think mushrooms, like, they... They kind of take a lot. They like they. I don't know. They they can they can fill in for a lot of things. They, they can do they it. Give yeah. You a lot of. They're a wonderful a wonderful thing. I've I, I've always loved mushrooms, but I think like now I love them the most. Well, look at you um, with so, vegan ramen. I mean that that's just yeah. the, that is the meat substitute. Yeah, and I also love like I've kind of lightened my not my diet a bit, so it's like you know kind of I'd like something, but but specifically I'd want the black sugar my attacking mushrooms that that Rick Alice sells because those are fucking perfect. Gotcha. Um, yep. Those are great. How can I smell ice cream with this one? Love it. There you go. Love it. Fantastic, as usual. Um, Melanie Denea, My Last Supper, The Next Course, two beautiful coffee table books, inspiration for the show to a certain extent, um, gave the following question, what is your last supper? Your ticket's getting punched tomorrow. Um, what are you eating? What are you drinking? Who's going to be there? What music are you listening to? Talk to me. Um, one of the things I want is a, I just want a shawarma with green hot sauce, stuffed with french fries and the pita, tons of tahini sauce, and like I just, that, that's, that's not what I'm eating enough of, but like that's what I want. That's, that's Um, the perfect out for you. Yeah. It's just like, it, you know, with Israeli salad type, so it's like, or Palestinian salad, or whatever, however you want to sort of, yeah. uh, like, politically, it's all Middle Eastern deliciousness. Um, but, you know, I think, I think that has everything in it. It's, it's got starch, it's got vegetable, it's got, it's got meat, it's got spice, it's got creaminess, it's not too heavy. There's something like beautifully balanced about a, about a form of pita. 
So I'd probably do a shawarma pita, and um, I'd be talking to my grandma, who just passed away last year. Oh, I'm sorry, man. No, thank you. I appreciate it. No, and it, it, listen, she's 103 years old. Holy um, shit. She, All right, okay. Yeah, she lived a very, exactly. She lived a very, very long life. But I also had a very close relationship with her, and we spoke a lot, and we yeah. traveled together. Yeah. You know, I, I think that her and I were were very, very close. And so I always loved speaking to her because her her brain was flawless until the moment she passed away. So she remembered everything. She escaped the war. She, you know, fleed, oh, yeah. fleed when she was 19. Like, she's she was just, and remembers every detail, remembered every detail about everything. So one of the most interesting people to talk to, and I was very privileged to have that. So I think that would be a great conversation. Love it. And delicious, simple food. I love it. I love every symbol, every single rather facet of that story. And last question, simplest to most complex, Chef. What is food to you in a single word? Um, pure joy, joy, just joy, joy. Just joy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Nine years pure ago, it was joy. life. Now it's joy. And uh-huh. I mean, hey. if anything shows almost an evolution, like life is kind of survival, but joy is appreciation. Brilliant, Chef. Well, sir. Again, it's been nine long years. Here we are reconnecting, and I hope it is not that long the next time we do this dance. Uh, Chef Elon Hall, folks, if you want to check him out, go out to Food Network Tournament of Champions, check out his performance, check out Ramen Hood, 317 South Broadway Street, L.A., California, 90013. Call 213-285-7571 for reservations, inquisitions, and such. And uh, check him out on the socials. He's all over the place. He's very visible. Just an amazing chef presence, an amazing ambassador for the industry. Chef Elon Hall, as always, my brother, an incredible pleasure and absolute honor. I really appreciate it, John. Thank you so much for having me back. Absolutely. Let's do it again. Absolutely. Not nine years next time, though, right? No, definitely not. Just listen, reach out, and I'm here. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been episode number 201 of the Course Grind Podcast. With us again this evening, the immeasurable Chef Elon Hall. Our producer, as always, has been Johnny Leland Robinson, a.k.a. the Reverend Johnny Lamoria. Be sure to check out everything he's got going on in the socials. And the next episode will be 202. Not quite sure where that's going yet, but I'm sure it's going to be a good one. Stay tuned.